my freshman year in college, um, I took a class called Intro to Ministry. And I guess that's you know, where you're going to introduce you to what ministry is. And our teacher had this idea that he was going to have everybody in the class. We met in the chapel at the college. I think we were out of classrooms, so we met in this big, giant chapel. You know, it holds 1,200 people, and there's probably 25 or 30 in there. And we were each going to take a, a week or a class, the beginning of each class, and tell our testimony. And there was this really funny guy in our class called Tom, named Tom. Not called Tom, called Tom, named Tom. And uh, Tom, I think, was from Ohio or Canada, and he just had this really bizarre sense of humor. And um, he got up, and he starts to tell his testimony, and he just starts to unpack this horrific story that just, like, we knew him. You know, we hadn't been there but a few months. And he unpacked this horrific story of um, drug abuse and criminal activity and exotic sexual sins, just I mean, we're, we're all just sitting there paralyzed. And I think most people had the same thought that I did, that I went, oh, now I understand Tom. Like the reason that he's always funny and, you know, he's covering up. He's covering up all this pain. He's covering up all this past. That's just his defense mechanism in a way to try to, you know, cover all that up. And then he said something I'll never forget. He said, now all those sins that I just told you about, I never did any of those. But God saved me from them. You know, and we thought, you sucker punched us right in the face. We got sucked in again by this guy. You know, I thought, oh, man, just when our heart was bleeding for you. But, but, he, but, but he did have a point. He said, I never did any of those things, but God saved me from them. You don't have to have done a sin to be saved from it. James chapter 2 verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking the whole law. Have you ever done anything? Have you ever done anything wrong in your life? Once? Anything? If you dare raise your hand and say no, your, your wife's probably next to you and she'll, she'll tell us. Have you ever done anything wrong, even one thing? Well, the Bible teaches then, if you've ever done one thing wrong, then you carry the guilt of all the sin of the world, whether you did it or didn't do it. And that makes the Christmas announcement especially good news. That makes this Christmas message especially a time of joy. Now, we've been looking through the Bible at these times at the first Christmas season when um, God sent angels to make announcements to different people about, you know, what Jesus was going to, who he was going to be and what he was going to do. And um, the first one we looked at a couple weeks ago is uh, uh, Elizabeth and, and Zechariah are too old to have a baby, but an angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby anyway. Then last week, we have this little teenage girl, Mary, who's too young to have a baby and too innocent, not too young, too innocent to have a baby. And the angel says, you're going to have a baby. And then an angel appears to Joseph because Joseph is supposed to marry this pregnant teenage girl who's never slept with anyone and he knows it's not his baby. And, and uh, he's supposed to wrap his brain around this somehow that all this is just okay. 
And he had a real, he had a real struggle with it. And so Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, I want to look again at another time that an angel came at Christmas and shared a message and what we can learn from it. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, so he's a, he's a good guy, he follows the rules, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So you see the tension here. He's caught between, I'm a good guy who wants to follow the rules, but my fiance, which is in those days was a little bit more than a fiance, we're on schedule to be married here. She's pregnant, but, I, but he, he had some level of compassion. He didn't want to embarrass her. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now here's what I want you to zero in on in this encounter. Joseph's torn between his integrity and following kind of the law. He's pinned between that and his compassion he seemed to have authentic feelings for Mary but said I, I can't follow through with this marriage but neither do I want her to suffer so, so he devised a plan, watch this he devised a plan what was this plan? I'll divorce her quietly, now watch verse 20, but after he had considered this, so he, he's already you, you ever concoct a, a plan for how you're going to fix something? That's what he had done. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So the angel says, hey, don't be afraid of this. I know this looks weird. I know this seems weird, but don't be afraid of this because the baby's from the Holy Spirit. It's okay to go through with this. So watch. Now the Holy Spirit has a plan. Joseph's plan is to divorce Mary quietly. The Holy Spirit's plan is to bring Jesus into the world and into a two-parent family. Now, I'll just give you a no-brainer. And we, these are no-brainer questions because we have 2,000 years of history to look back on and we see everything clearly now. Whose plan do you think was better? Well, right? The Holy Spirit's plan was better. But we get the luxury of history. We get the luxury of hindsight where everything is clear. But here's what I want you to see this morning. I want to give you two thoughts from this encounter with the angel. Number one, God's plans are better than our plans. God's plans are better than our plans, always better. Joseph, had he followed his plan, would have missed out on the opportunity to be the earthly father of Jesus, and he would have put Jesus in a single-parent home. I, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know how that would have you know, played out. Is it possible, you think, that you and I ever miss God's plan because it just doesn't sit right with us? Do you think we ever miss God's plan for us because we don't have the perspective of history to look back on and then see clearly what God's trying to say to us in the moment? Do you think we ever miss God's better plan because sometimes maybe we see the plan, but we say, you know what, I'm going to do my own plan because I think my plan's better. Because I have this view, God's got this view. <laughs> he can see all of time at the same time. I, I know when I was a teenager and I first was called to ministry, I really, I really 
had a plan. My plan was I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to go into the world, and I wanted to go into countries where there weren't strong churches, and I wanted to reach people that were hard to reach or never been reached or whatever. I wanted to be a missionary. That's what was in my heart. That was, matter of fact, I even have a, I have a, whatever it's called, I have a degree in missionary, okay? That's my degree. My degree is in missionary. When I went to college on my bachelor's degree, it says, you know, missions, missions concentration. That's what I concentrated in because that was my plan. I ended up being a youth pastor, which, by the way, I really, really liked. That was fun. That was kind of my groove. I, I enjoyed every day of that. But it wasn't what I planned to do. So while I was a youth pastor, I got the opportunity to serve with a young pastor who had been a youth pastor for a long time, not long before he became a pastor. But in the church that he was in, he had uh, transitioned into the role of a pastor who had been the, the lead pastor for over 30 years. And I got a front row seat to watch what it's like for a young guy to replace an older guy in leadership who had been there for a long time. And I watched that and I said, I don't know exactly what God wants me to do in my life, but I'm 100% certain I don't ever want to do that. Yes, yeah, some of you know, because that's complicated. It looked like the hardest thing that I had ever seen. And so then I decided, I guess, I want to be a church planter. Because, I, I mean, you either go to somebody else's church and lead that, or you go start your own church and you lead that. That's the two options. So I went, I don't want to do what he's doing, because this is, this, is, this is tough. I want to go, I'll just start a new church. I want to go, you know, somewhere warm like Florida or something. I don't know. I want to go somewhere and, and start a church where, in a community where there's not strong churches, I want to go start a church and stay, stay my whole life. Well, I didn't get to do that either. <laughs> I ended up moving to a community and, and transitioning into a pastoral role, um, taking a pastor's place who had been at his church for, for, had been in relationship with those people for 40 years. Okay, I'll see you're 30 and I'll raise you 40. Or 10, however. I, I didn't major in math. 10. And um, his wife was mentally and emotionally ill, and she had a lot of problems. And, and that was a burden on that church, and I saw how all that happened. And I, I transitioned in his place um, after, after 40 years of ministry when he re retired, well, after really, who knows, 50 or 60 years of ministry, but 40 in relationship with those people. And uh, man, it was, it was brutal. It was a lot. It was hard. And when I was doing that, I said, man, I don't think, I'm not sure I should have done that. <laughs> and I'm not sure I want to do that again. And then I came here. <laughs> And my father-in-law pastored here 35 years. And his wife had battled a disease and a sickness. And this church carried the burden of that with them. And then when he retired, I transitioned into his place. And a few years after that, his daughter Tiffany passed away from the same disease. And today my wife battles the same disease. And so... I didn't get to be a missionary and I didn't get to be a church planner. But had I been a missionary and gone through all the things 
that my family's gone through, it would have been a disaster. Had it been a church planter with a young church with a bunch of young baby Christians, it would have been a disaster. Because there aren't many churches like Kingwood that has the maturity and the temperament to give grace in really tough times. But you got it the honest way. You walk that road with other people before you walked it with me. And so you've been tempered by suffering and by pain and by the grace of the Holy Spirit and you learn to offer grace. And so here's, here's what I know. All those years God was tutoring me and mentoring me and teaching me and training me and preparing me because God, I had a plan but God had a better plan. And now he's brought us together and he's fused our heart around the idea of becoming a movement of hope because who in the world better to offer people hope than people who've needed it the most? And that's where we are. (laughs) That's how God works. He He has a better plan than the one that we have. Joseph didn't want to marry a pregnant teenager. Because it just didn't sit right. But God had a better plan. And all of humanity for all of history has been wrestling with sweat and tears and effort. Trying to earn our way. Trying to work our way. Trying to figure out how we're going to fix this broken world and this mess. Trying to figure out how to become better people. Trying to fix what's broken in the world and what's broken in ourselves. You see it early in the Bible. Not long after Adam and Eve uh, uh, brought sin into the world, now you see this civilization of people trying to build a tower to heaven, trying to find God somehow. And then you see Moses is up on the mountain talking to God, but he takes too long. And so now they take their earrings and their rings and their jewelry and and all of that, and they melt it down, and they build themselves a God. Why? Because there's this innate void in all of us and we try every way we know to fix it and we take our plans but what Christmas is about is God actually has a better plan and we still do it today every major religion in the world basically let me give you the philosophy of every I was a missions major okay so I took some comparative religion classes every major religion in the world has a similar philosophy it sounds like this try harder do better work more earn your way if you, if you if you do everything well enough you might please God or the gods well enough that you'll get broken free out of this world that you're in That's those philosophies. And in America, we kind of have our own philosophy of fixing everything. It's kind of like this. If we own enough, or if we earn enough, or if we're independent enough, then we'll have freedom. We'll have true freedom. But it all ends the same way. In soul failure. Every plan humanity has ever had to fix itself ends the same way in soul failure because God's plan is better than our plan. So the reason the announcement to Joseph in that, hey, don't be afraid, this baby that's been conceived by the Holy Spirit, don't be afraid of this. The reason that's an announcement of joy is because it's an announcement that says the rescuer of the whole world has come. 
He's come to rescue the world from its sin and from its own brokenness. Rescue us from our own plans and our own work-based religion and our own righteousness. Do you see what's happening here? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, after Jesus was born and started his ministry, he taught it like this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Every religion in the world says work harder, do better, clean your act up, get it together. Jesus says, come to me and rest. That's a completely different invitation. It's not based on what you can do and what I can do at all. It's based on what's been done. It's based on the finished work of Jesus. So, so what, do we, what do we see here in this announcement? Why does it bring joy? Because what the Holy Spirit had conceived was better than what Joseph had conceived in his heart. It was a better plan. Now, not only was it a better plan, here's the second thought. God's plans are bigger than our plans. Now, what do, I, what do I mean by bigger? I don't necessarily mean more pleasing to our internal appetites. I don't mean, you know, like, oh, God's going to make you a rock star. You know, I don't mean bigger. But we're playing checkers and, and Jesus is playing chess. He's working on many layers at one time and we're only in one moment of time and it's all that we can see. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So there was a plan from the beginning to send Jesus to save people from their sins. So not only is God's plans better, they're bigger. Now, God works on different levels, as we said, but here's what you have to remember. You always have to remember the people in the story. Who's in the story? Joseph is in the story. Who's Joseph? Joseph is a man from a little village on the backside of nowhere with a bad reputation named Nazareth. Okay? So he's just a simple carpenter. He's like, listen, I, I, I don't have time for all of, that, all of this. So, so think, think about Joseph for a second. Joseph is saying, look, I just want to move on, move on with my life. I want to be left alone. I want to live in this small town. I was born here. My parents were born here. My grandparents were born here. I'm fine the way it is. But it, what if an angel comes to, comes to somebody and says, hey, Jesus is going to be born here in Nazareth. It, we would like to say, shouldn't it be Jerusalem? Shouldn't it be Rome? Or New York City, or I mean, I think we have a hard time wrapping our brain around how that sounded at the time. So, what I did is I said, I wonder if we could put that in our own modern vernacular. And those of you who are watching outside the state of Alabama, uh, you, you might not have a way to relate to this at all. Um, and those of you who, who are home here in Alabama, um, there's some towns in Alabama I bet you've never heard of. So, I actually looked some of them up. So, here they are. Uh, there is a Bacon-level Alabama. Did you know that? Bacon-level. I like my bacon hilly. You know, some people like it level. I don't know why. Burnt corn, Alabama. People from all over the country and the world are laughing now. You probably have weird names in your state, too. Dogtown. 
Dogtown, Alabama. See if you've heard of that. Uh, look, I, I'm just going to say this. I don't even know what to do with it. Intercourse, Alabama. I, I, you know, there's some things I can explain, and there's some things I can't. I don't, I don't even know where to start on that one. Lick Skillet. Lick Skillet, Alabama. Normal, you know, as opposed to the other towns. <laughs> I guess that's what that says. Normal, Alabama. I, I have to go there just to look at the people and decide, are they normal? Is this normal? Like, I really, I'm curious. Scratch ankle. Heard a scratch ankle? Shinbone Valley. Very, very special place. It's only about that high. Slick Lizard. Slick Lizard. One more. Zip City. Not zip code. Zip City. Okay, so here's what, I, here's what I'm saying. If I said to you, there's this incredible person you have to meet. He's talented. He's charismatic. He's a leader. He's a great teacher. He's a fantastic um, storyteller. He, he is, um, he's influential. He affects people's life. He, he impacts people in ways that you couldn't imagine. And you were to say, um, where's he from? And I were to say, Lick Skillet, Alabama. You would say, I don't think so. I don't think so. You got the picture? This is what's happening to Joseph. Joseph is saying, I'm a simple man from a little place. I'm from Slick Lizard and Lick Gizzard and Burnt Skillet. And, you know, I'm from normal. I'm from nowhere. What are you talking about? And there's going to be this baby. He's a simple man. But watch, he doesn't understand what's at stake because God had a big plan from a little town to save the whole world. Made, made me think, is it possible that you and I sometimes miss God's greatest work because it looks ordinary? Comes in a package we don't, wouldn't think it would come in. Comes from somewhere we didn't think it would come from. Feels different than we thought it would look. Looks ordinary. Is it possible that the greatest work in God's eyes that you'll ever do, you won't even know when you're doing it? You won't even know it because it'll be offering help. It'll be texting somebody. It'll be a prayer. It'll be an act of kindness. It'll be a kind thought. It'll be serving. It'll be singing. It'll be, you know, who knows? Doing something so menial, so small. The greatest works sometimes are the most ordinary ones. But God's plans are always bigger than our plans. Moses, who said, you know, I, I can't talk very good. <laughs> My plan is to stay out of places where i got to talk. And God said, My plan's bigger than your plan. I'm going to make you the leader of a, a million people. David said, I just watch sheep. God said, I want you to watch all the sheep of Israel. I want to make you king. Paul the apostle, who was a um, well-educated and well-versed man, who was persecuting Christians thought he had a good plan. But God said, my plan is to make you a missionary and an apostle and a church planter and a writer of the New Testament. 
Because God's plans are bigger than ours plans. God's plan was to send Jesus to save people from their sins. Now, why was Jesus coming to earth an announcement of joy? Because Jesus is a rescuer of the whole world from sin and brokenness. Why do we need to be rescued from sin and brokenness? Uh, second, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, verse 12, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. There was a time, wherever you're at today, and maybe that time is still true, you were separated from Christ. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Watch this. Without hope and without God in the world. When you are outside of God, when you are disconnected from God, you don't have any hope. Not eternally, not ultimately, not in the big picture. You don't have any hope. You, you may know that, you may not know that. So we have no hope of overcoming the brokenness and the sin and the condition of our own life. Christmas is a time of joy because it's when the hope of the world came to earth. There's only two people, two kinds of people that this isn't good news for. Okay? One is self-righteous people. What is a self-righteous person? A self-righteous person is a person who says, I pretty much earned my own way. I stand on my own two feet. I've made it through my own effort. I might not be the best person that ever lived, but I'm not the worst. I treat people good. My grandmother went to church. I'm a third generation Christian. My, my great-grandparents, I got 12 pastors in my family. You know, whatever the things are, you fill in the blanks. But the Bible teaches that there's no work. There's no work. There's no effort. There's no good thought. There's no good intention. There's no action that'll ever be good enough, ever. It'll never be good enough. If it was good enough to earn you a right relationship with God, then Jesus wasted his whole life dying. So self-righteous people don't see a whole lot of need to get in the Christmas spirit because they kind of made it themselves. That's a subtle one. It kind of creeps its way in. The Pharisees, the more familiar you become with Christianity, the longer you're a Christian, the more Christian in culture you become, the more susceptible you are to self-righteousness. The other one is um, blindness. People who are blind, and I don't mean physically blind, I mean spiritually blind. People who are blind don't recognize the Christmas announcement as joy, joyful or good news. And when I, when I say blind, I don't mean um, unintelligent. I don't mean lacking talent or education or ability or sophistication. Oftentimes, people that are spiritually blind make great contributions to the world. They're intelligent, they're talented, they're gifted. And on the other hand, sometimes they're not. Sometimes people who are spiritually blind are weak and poor and uneducated and illiterate and a whole lot of things. Spiritually blind people come from every walk of life. 
What it means to be spiritually blind is it just means that you cannot see Jesus as he is. You see him in some other way. He's a trinket. He's another religion. He's a crutch. He's a spiritual leader in a long line of spiritual leaders. Here's what I want to ask you today, though. Do you see Jesus for who he really is? Would you just stand with me? And if you're online, would you just kind of, maybe you want to stand, you know, unless you're driving a car or something. If you're watching this in a replay or live, would you close your eyes with me for a minute? Every eye closed, and even if you're online, just go ahead and close your eyes and open your heart. <laughs> and today, I, I wonder who's watching and listening and hearing, and who would be brave enough today. You'd be brave enough, it takes courage, to just pray and say, Jesus, show me yourself as you really are. God, reveal yourself to me right now. Is it possible that God is trying to reveal himself to you right now? Would you just lean into that and pray? Would you just pray it? Wherever you are, whoever you are, would you just pray it? Jesus, reveal yourself to me today. God, I want to see you as you are. Not as, as I was taught, not as my culture told me, or not my own opinion. Lord, best I can, I just open my mind and heart to you and I ask you today, show me. Come on and pray it. Would you dare to pray it? Show me. Show me yourself as you are. God, reveal yourself to me today. Let me see you. And as we're praying right now, if somehow by God's grace, he's just become real to you. <laughs> he's just melted your heart or opened your eyes or somehow things have just become clear. That's an act of the Holy Spirit. That's a work of Jesus. Jesus is working and he's talking and he's moving if that's happened right now man if you're online our prayer team is standing by right now in the minute that you type into the comment section our prayer team's going to join you right there and start to pray with you but if you're online and you say I, I want to I pray to start a relationship with Jesus today I want to pray I need hope would you just put in the comment section today I need hope I need hope Man, our prayer team's there. If you're in the room with every eye closed and you say, I need hope today. Somehow as we prayed, God revealed himself to me. And I want to start a real relationship. I want to start a maybe a new relationship. Maybe you've walked with God, but if you're honest, boy, you've been a long way away. And today, somehow things, by the grace of God, things have just become clear. With every eye closed, would you just lift a hand and say, pray for me today. Today, I want to... I need, to, I need to start. If you're online, go ahead and put in the comment section. Our prayer team's coming. They're ready. If you're in the room, just lift a hand. Just lift a hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah, I see your hand. Thank you. Yeah, I saw it. Yep. Just lift it up and put it right back down. Man, we're going to pray today. <laughs> this is such a good day. This is the day Jesus becomes real. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. That's powerful what's happening right now. Jesus is becoming real again. <laughs> New relationships are starting today. This is where the joy comes from. This is where it comes from. 
There's no other place. There's no other way to fix yourself. There's no other way you'll ever be free. That's what the Christmas announcement is. Man, before, I feel so constrained today. Before we pray, anybody else, anybody online who hasn't jumped in yet, jump in there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's pray together, okay? Online, let's pray together. Come on, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart and life. God, I receive you as the King of kings. I receive you as my Lord. I ask you to forgive me for everything I've done wrong. God, I ask you to fix what's broken inside me. God, I'm asking you for inner healing. I ask you for inner peace. I ask you for joy today. God, I ask you for a real relationship, one that's alive and new and fresh and real. God, I receive the hope of the world. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Man, could we just... There's no more special thing you'll ever do all Christmas than what we just did and what we just shared. Will you just take a minute and let's just show our love to these people. And let's celebrate with them this morning. Thank God for the prayer that you just prayed. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Come on, and let's celebrate it. This is Christmas joy right here. Well done.